This is the Life of Jesus podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. For a full year, we are looking at the life teachings and works of Jesus from the four Gospels, put together in a single chronological flow. Ben, last time we took a look at the birth of Jesus, which is appropriate. This is Christmas week. So now we are looking at some of the early days of his life, maybe even the early years, depends how far we get today. Ready to dive in? Yep. I'm good. All right. Well, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 2, and and we're going to dwell there, I think, quite a bit today. We, we have the story of the Magi, familiarly known to us as We Three Kings. Right, right, right. And these, these Magi who come from, from far away. But I think in order to set the context of it a little bit, let's, let's spend a little bit of time on the, the person that's in the story, the villain in the story, known as Herod, known in history as Herod the Great. You know, Herod the Great was quite a guy. I mean, he was, he was a, a person who was very powerful. He was well-connected. He was, you might call him a political survivor in many ways. He was a buddy with Mark Antony and then later became a buddy with Octavian after Octavian defeated Mark Antony. I, if I get the history kind of right, Octavian became Augustus, Caesar Augustus. So he knew how to play the political game to stay in power and eventually be named king of the Jews. Of course, he was a puppet king for the Roman Empire, and he had a lot of power. He did a lot of things. He, he did many renovation projects and rebuilt, enhanced the temple with some Roman enhancements on there that made some of the people angry and built up places like Masada and Herodium. And this place called Caesarea Maritima. I went to Israel a few years ago and went to Caesarea Maritima. It's, it's quite an impressive place that he, that he built. It's got an amphitheater and a hippodrome. And this, they had this freshwater pool built right next to the saltwater Mediterranean Sea and used all kinds of architecture and technology to do this, public toilets, all kinds of things that were there. He was quite a powerful and an effective leader, but he was also pretty paranoid, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, what, what do you know about him that, that you can bring to bear in this situation as a guy who was a problem for the birth of Jesus? Yeah, I think... It- you know, with Herod, the thing that stands out most to me about him, the thing that's always stuck in my mind, is the idea that he was so paranoid that he would one day be overthrown, that his throne would be usurped, that he killed three of his own sons as a means of self-protection. And so it's not surprising as we read through the narrative here, what ultimately befalls the children of Bethlehem as he, as we'll talk about here in a few minutes, uh, where he seeks out a means to destroy this apparent threat uh, that the Magi have come uh, to seek out. It's, it's really a, a sad and disturbing story that we get. It, it's not 
it doesn't show up in most of our Christmas pageants that we no. have the children reenact at our churches uh, at Christmas time. But it's a, it's really one of the first pieces of the story that's got some context to it after the birth of Jesus. Let, let me just jump in there at Matthew chapter 2, and we'll weave our way through this passage on, the, on this day if we can. It says this, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, there he is, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. All right, let's stop there for a moment. Magi. Uh, we three kings? No, they were not kings. Um, when we think about Magi, we think of these astrologers from the east that God in his, I mean, ultimately in his sovereignty, illuminates their minds that they see the star in the east and they head out uh, toward Jerusalem to find the king of the Jews, because where else would you find the king of the Jews but in the seat of power uh, for the Israelites in Jerusalem? So they head first uh, to Jerusalem to find this king that has been born. So these guys show up, they really don't, I don't think they're trying to cause trouble. No. In Jerusalem, they're not trying to cause trouble for Herod. And they ask what appears to be in the text, an innocent question in verse two, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Stop the presses. We just talked about King Herod who was a paranoid ruler who had been named by the Roman Senate to be the king of the Jews. And now you got these guys showing up saying to King Herod, where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? Saying this to the guy who had just axed his three sons to try to keep his own power. It is a tough spot to be in for these magi, and they don't even know it, do they? No, they have no idea. And, and magi were known in ancient times to show up at the coronation of a king. And so they, they come into Jerusalem, and I imagine, you know, we have this image, of course, because we think three gifts, three magi, but that's not what it says. And usually there was an entourage of people with them. And so these magi show up in Jerusalem, which would have caused just an incredible stir, I imagine, within the city. Word gets back to King Herod, and immediately... Uh, he's, he calls them before uh, him to try to discern where, where is this king, who is this king, now, obviously with false motives, but the Magi don't know any better. They don't interpret it necessarily with false motivations. Yeah, so it, sa- it says exactly that. In verse 3, King Herod was disturbed, and then he stirred up the whole city of Jerusalem to be disturbed with him, right. I'm guessing, and he got the the religious scholars, the chief priests and teachers of the law, and found out you know, Bethlehem was the place the Messiah would be born. And then exactly to your point in verse 7, he called the Magi secretly mm-hmm. and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. So now Herod knows where Bethlehem and when now this new king of the Jews, this new threat to his power, was going to be born. And he, he gave some directions to the Magi, go, search, find, report. 
It's in there in verse 8 of Matthew 2. Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me. And then a, just a little bit of a, right. a lie. Right. A big lie that I too may go and worship him. You know, it, from this moment, from what we can see in the, in the scripture, the Magi are still clueless. At this moment, they're like, okay, we'll go and find him. We'll go and search for him. We'll, we'll, we'll get him. We'll report back to you. Ostensibly, they're, they're in agreement that mm-hmm. they'll do this because they've openly told him they're looking for the king of the Jews. Right. And now they're being told, okay, go find the king of the Jews. I want to worship this king as well. So they go off on their merry way. And there's, a, there's an interesting thing there in, in verse 9. When they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. I don't know how many astronomy classes you've taken, but uh, how does that work? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't have any idea either. It's, a, it's an interesting thing. You, know, you think about yeah. looking out into space and seeing stars and we kind of get a a place where we can look and see them, but somehow the, this was this brightness led yeah. them not just to a, a region, but to the place, place yeah. to the house yeah. where the baby was. Yeah, the creator of the universe has the power to ma- manipulate things the way he wants them. Right? It's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Yeah, when you stop and just think about that piece of it alone. Yeah, that yeah. something that is in space can shine directly on a house. Yeah, amazing. And I also think about God's, you know, as I consider the, how God calls the Magi to Jesus by, through the use, through the means of this star, you know, God ultimately calling these Gentiles to come and worship Christ. This immediate early reminder to us all that Jesus has come for every tribe, tongue, and nation. It is an incredible thought, and that's exact. you're right. That's exactly what they do. We see it there in verses 10 and 11. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. Notice it is a house. Right. They saw the child with his mother, Mary. I don't know where Joseph was. And they bowed down and worshiped him. So exactly to your point, they, they did that. And then the, really the only part we typically focus on is this, this last half of verse 11. Then they opened their treasures and presented right. him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we tend to skip past the, the whole narrative between the Magi and Herod and that, that kind of an encounter that gets even more brutal here in a moment. Mm-hmm. And we go straight to the to the gifts and sort of use that as the reason that we give each other gifts i think maybe at christmas time or something i don't know has anybody ever given you gold or frankincense or even myrrh for a christmas present no you might have to have your family up their game no honestly the the no i I have not i got a dyson vacuum cleaner one year which was very much like a, a gift of gold yeah i bet it was i love I love that thing. Do you really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, to me, that sounds more like myrrh. 
Yeah. I don't, you might I don't need know. to provide context for that statement. Yeah, well, I don't know. You know, gold gold was a pretty illustrious gift, I think, maybe fit for a king. And right. some would say that frankincense was a gift that would be fit for the, the priest right. that Jesus would be. And myrrh was often used as what we would call an embalming substance. It was a gift for a dead guy. So if you think prophetically about these gifts that Jesus was the king of kings and the the priest of God, mm-hmm. it's also perhaps a, a gift which sees Jesus as one who would die for the sins of the world. It's It's pretty profound that these magi from a foreign country I don't know if they intended that or not. Sure. But it was it's it's pretty profound at least when we look back at it and see it that way, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. If we look through the lens of the cross, absolutely. Absolutely. And that and, and to your point earlier, when we talk about the things that we oftentimes uh focus in on uh in the story, really central to the context, it isn't so much the gifts, isn't how many magi were there. All the things we get lost on, really, the, the central point in the context is that they came and they worshiped him, right? These Gentiles from afar have come to worship the king of the Jews, ultimately the savior of the world. All right, we've, so we've blown up that the Christmas carol, We Three Kings. Let's see if we can blow up another Christmas carol here as we're, as we're weaving through this. In verse 12, it says, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, which was what makes me think that before that, they were planning to go back. Sure. Having been warned, they returned to their country by another route. And this did not make Herod very happy. In fact, it made him extremely angry. It says in verse 13, when they had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, another dream, and said, get up. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. You know, th- this is an interesting passage. Maybe another one of those that's somewhat overlooked in the life of the church as we march toward Christmas every year, that Jesus' early, early years of life, his, his infancy, he was a fugitive, living in a foreign country under foreign leaders in a foreign language surrounding him. Certainly the, there was a large Jewish community in Egypt, but it, it puts a different spin on this, this beautiful picture we have of sort of a halo around, yeah. an aura around Jesus' head when he was a, a baby or an infant and, and all was well. Not so, huh? No, no, we have this, this constant... Uh, perception. You know, when we look at the birth of Jesus, when we look at, you know, most likely leading up to the first two years of his life here, we have this uh, picture of serenity, of calm. We sing songs like Silent Night, um, which are great. Don't, don't misread me. 
But oftentimes we don't focus in on the reality of the situation. We've got this very young couple with an infant child on the run, uh, heading to Egypt as refugees to escape this brutal king. And it really ultimately images the strife that Jesus would face throughout his life, the persecution he would suffer, the rejection he would endure. You know, that, that is true. And, and they prophetically, Matthew says, this is because the prophet had said, out of Egypt, I called Mm -hmm. my son. That's in verse 15. And that's a reference to Hosea chapter 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Mm-hmm. Interesting place for Matthew to draw a reference from, because Hosea was a prophet who married a prostitute, mm-hmm. and that prostitute betrayed him, went back to her old ways, and then he took her back again mm-hmm. as an image for how God continues to pursue his people, even though they they chase after other gods, other idols. And there's a connection, I think, that Matthew may be trying to make for us to, to draw, not simply that, that Jesus spent some time in Egypt, right. but that he was sort of the, the figure in this story, like the Hosea-like figure, the God-like figure, who is pursuing his people, even though people abandon God right and left. Right, right. And I, it's a constant reminder to me that Unprovoked by us, when we were dead in sin and trespass, God has pursued us. He has sought our redemption. He has come after us. It's not us chasing after God as much as it is God pursuing us, extending his arms to us, to rescue us. It's it's a really powerful, beautiful part of the story. I wish we'd spent more time on it in the typical Advent or Christmas season of the church, because there's a lot of power in that. Let's move on to Matthew 2, 16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. He so desperately wanted to kill this newborn king of the Jews that he killed all the baby boys in Bethlehem. And that kind of ruins the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, How Still We See Thee Lie. Right, right. Yeah, it wasn't all is calm, all is bright. It wasn't how still. Can you imagine the terror in the streets of this small community of Bethlehem when Soldiers came mm. by and put to death son after son, boy after boy, baby after baby, and the screams of the mo- mothers and the fathers in the in this now Jesus wasn't there because Joseph had been warned, and Joseph swept him away and took him into Egypt, but all those who were left behind died. They were the first martyrs, really of the faith without even having faith in Jesus. Right, right. Yeah, and powerless to do uh, anything about it. Um, it's just a horrific, a horrific scene. And a lot of times when we're greeted by this scene, we understandably ask the question, why? Why didn't God intervene? He intervened to save the life of Jesus. 
but why didn't he intervene in some means, some way, some fashion to save the life of these children? And oftentimes we get so caught up in that thought, we don't ultimately consider what it is that God the Father is saving Jesus to. He escaped the misery of that day that ultimately he would bear the misery of the cross on our behalf. And oftentimes when I look at the scene in Bethlehem, I fix my gaze upon the cross as this reminder in the presence of this horrific uh, scene in, in Bethlehem, I look to the cross to see the fullness, the full measure of God's undeniable mm. love that one day I will see this event redeemed uh, from the perspective of God when one day I go uh, to meet him. Wow. Brilliant. It's brilliant. You know, we often talk about this escape to Egypt. We, we really don't talk about the escape to Nazareth. Right. That's how I'm right. terming it. Because there in Matthew two nineteen it says, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. You know, ding dong, King right. Herod is dead. Right. It's all good news, right? It's all happy news. And when King Herod died, his kingdom, so to speak, got split up between his family members. And two of the those we want to, I think, just touch on very, very briefly would be Archelaus, who was named ruler of Judea, as well as some other places, but Judea, where Jerusalem is, and a different son. Antipas, who was named ruler of Galilee in the north, where Nazareth was. So the story moves on in verse 21. So he, that is Joseph, got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Again, having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee in the north. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he, that is Jesus, would be called a Nazarene. What's going on here with this whole story is that, that brings them back to their roots in Nazareth? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Archelaus is a tyran you know, tyrannical, horrible, I mean, he's his dad, you know. And so as a means, again, to continue to protect Jesus and ultimately to fulfill this prophecy itself, God ultimately brings them to Nazareth. I had this thought that even though I've, I've kind of hassled the song of Little Town of Bethlehem, which, sure. which by the way, I really love. I sure. really love this song. Sure. That it might be right on. Let me just read a couple lines from, from that great Christmas carol. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. And here's the part that just seems so right. Mm. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears 
of all the years are met in thee tonight. Mm. It has both hopes and fears, both terror and joy. Mm. It's all wrapped up in the birth and infancy of Jesus. This Christmas, you know, those of you who are listening, this Christmas as you give and receive gifts, remember the greatest gift of all. It's not gold or frankincense or myrrh or... Or my Dyson vacuum cleaner. Vacuum cleaners. I love. (laughs) I think even better gift, Ben, is the gift of Jesus. Amen. The Son of God, born to a lowly family, laid in a dirty manger, pursued by a paranoid ruler, raised in a dark world. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Amen. Friends, if you want to jump in deeper, go to our church's website, fishersumc.org, or find our church app and click on the Life of Jesus link. That'll take you to more elements in this year-long study, and you can do those that are helpful to you. There's five-day-a-week, Monday through Friday, daily gospel reading, along with a devotion and a poem that matches each of those. You can listen, follow along to a weekly sermon that Ben or I or some others here at the church do related to these same topics. A group study that's been written for your, your personal life, for your small group, or however you want to do that. Other episodes in this podcast, and even more. Uh, our hope is that you grow deeper and deeper in your relationship with Christ through the year, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, God bless all of you. Have a Merry Christmas. And we'll see you next week. God bless.